Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. My mission is simple to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to a special San Francisco edition of Kramerica. I'll be able to make friends. I'm just trying to save you some money. My job, not just to entertain, but put this one in context. Call me, 1-800-743-CBC, or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Look, the market got crushed today. Now tumbling 522 points. S&P plunging 1.71%. NASDAQ nosediving 1.79%. Why? Well, another 75 basis point rate hike from the Fed. Jay Powell's more or less saying he'll do whatever it takes to beat inflation. We'll be done when we are done. It's going to cause some pain in your pocket. But until the help wanted signs come down, until savings are diminished, until housing prices cool, until supply and demand get in balance, he fears, correctly, I think, that we will be ravaged down the road. It's kind of pain now or never. Those words may sound harsh, but they'll be soothing later on. We don't know when. Once the Fed's job is done, Powell's tough on inflation stance will be good longer term, which is why tech stocks initially did bounce in response that was a thoughtful response, but then the whole market rolled over, driven by shorter-term worries about the collateral damage from a Fed-mandated recession that we talk about almost every night. The thing is, Powell's creating and preserving long-term wealth, even as he crushes short-term value, because over the long haul, persistently high inflation is much worse for the stock market and almost any other asset class, and you! It's just bad for you! What matters, though, is that we're living in Jay Powell's head right now. Obviously, nobody wants to lose money because of the Fed. But Powell knows you can lose money in two ways. You can lose it now, as we've been doing in this incredibly awful year. Or you can see the value of your holdings erode gradually over time because of inflation. With a few years of high single-digit inflation, as we have now, the buying power of a dollar would be dramatically reduced versus where it is now. Powell's bringing the pain now in order to stop that from happening. So let me play with an open hand. As someone who lived through the 70s, I stand with Powell. I don't want my life savings or your life savings to be eaten up by inflation. Now, I know, sure, hey, you know, Kramer, what, what does it mean to you? You saved a lot of money. Okay, that's true. But it doesn't make me wrong. No matter how much you have, it will be worth less in a world of embedded inflation. That's a fact, a historical fact. 
There is no instance where inflation raged and your stock holdings actually increased in value over time. Powell doesn't want to bet on whether he can be the first central banker ever to break that pattern. He refuses to roll the dice. So he's punishing us now in order to save us from financial purgatory later on. As is often the case, there are two broad camps emerging as Powell vows to stay tough until the job is done. There's the short-term camp, and we saw them in action today. Sell, 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 sell. He's worried he'll slow the economy too, too hard, throw many people out of work in the process, and really crush earnings. He may overshoot and cause a recession. Powell said he's that is collateral damage from bringing down inflated wages, and he's willing to do it. These people sold stocks right into the bell, betting we opened down big tomorrow. And we were up right after the, the different the Q&A. That's what Powell has to put himself through. Remember, we're in Powell's head, and he's thinking we have too many jobs and too few workers. That's what's causing relentless wage inflation. And central bankers worry most about wage inflation because it's sticky and it spreads throughout the whole system. Powell can't create new workers, but he can make fewer job openings by raising rates to the point where companies cancel their expansion plans and even hit us with significant layoffs. Given that he says he's keeping rates, uh, raising, going to continue to raise rates, well, you know what? Despite what these people did with the Q&A, it is pointless to ask when this will be done. It'll be done when it's done. It'll be done when the help-wanted signs are replaced with no-help-needed signs or now-leasing signs. Powell isn't worrying, geez, I'm going to hurt the stock market here with this tough talk. Not at all. If anything, he's worried stocks are too high, as people have lots of money left from COVID transfers from the government. He wants you to deplete your savings in order to force more people back to work. You may think this is a brutal way to beat inflation. It really is. But it's the only tool the Fed has in its arsenal that can do the job. So when the news breaks, the short-term camp runs and buys the recession stocks. Yeah, look, today was a good day for it. General Mills reported an amazing number, and stock went higher. But all the staple stocks over, overly went higher uh, over time in the day because money managers believe Powell can't beat inflation without causing a possibly severe recession. You're going to hear that for days on end. So remember, I said it to you, it's what you're going to hear. The camp predominate today. It will predominate over multiple days. They doubt Powell at every turn. They will bet he'll overshoot. They think he's not any good at his job. But now let's take on a second camp, the one I would call the silent majority, after a classic Nixon-era piece of political ledger event. I think the silent majority believes that Powell needs to do this because it's just not right that every time you go to the darn supermarket, things have gone up in price. The silent majority wants to be able to buy a house at a reasonable price without having a bidding war over it. The silent majority knows that their stocks are going to be worth less when they retire if Powell doesn't act now. The silent majority doesn't ever want to lose money. Nobody does. They're watching stocks bounce initially and then get slaughtered because the short-termers realize Powell's actually will make it harder for companies to make money. I don't blame the short-term gunslingers. Those estimates cuts are definitely coming. And when the estimates get cut, then what happens? Stocks sell, sell, sell. go down. The prices of stocks are as visible as the scores on a scoreboard. Today, you lost because of Powell's actions. The short-termers also think that over the next few days, this will become more and more evident. So they want to avoid the Powell-inflicted pain now. I understand it, but I disagree longer term. I am with the silent majority on this one, even as I was not with them during the Nixon regime. I believe that not only has commodity inflation peaked, but we'll soon see housing peak. We'll have too many homes with too few buyers. If you didn't have to live in your house, if moving wasn't a nightmare, Powell makes you feel like you should sell it now and buy it back later at a lower price. That's right. He makes me want to short my own house. Even as Lennar tonight said housing prices are still a big year over year. Powell didn't want to hear that. He also makes me feel like buying stocks that are coming down hard 
because he's so hawkish that I have to believe that he'll get wage inflation under control faster than people realize. Not necessarily because we're going into recession, but because we'll definitely have a long slowdown where every business has to adjust, but it won't be a disaster. The short-term camp is made up of people who either can't handle any pain or don't believe in power and want to get out ahead of others who think that it's going to really come down. The long-term camp, though, including me, knows that Powell's methods are serious, and we're going to see downward revisions of everything until it's clear that the inflation giant is slain and we start moving up again. The silent majority says, Mr. Powell, scorch my savings now because I know they'll be worth more later. The shorter terms don't even care. They act out of fear and myopia. Their white stocks close at the lowest level since June. They always score first, always. But the bottom line, I think Powell wins the game, and when he does, we'll be on the field, and the short-termers will be at the bottom of the standings, if they're still in the standings at all. Let's take some calls. Why don't we go to Kevin in Florida? Kevin! Hey, how are you doing, Jim? I am doing well, Kevin. How about you? I'm doing just fine. Thank you. And, and I'm so glad you, you allowed me on your show, because I've got a, cu- a couple questions for you. Sure. I, I, I appreciate what you uh uh, your, the knowledge you impart to others. The, the, Thank the, you, Kevin. The, the call on, the, yeah, and you're more than welcome. And we want me, and my sweetie, watch you every every night. When we Thank enjoy you. <laughs> Doing my um, best. You're okay. tough, tough. You know, What's up? Well, okay. Well, look at this. Is what the deal is? I, I got a, 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 a question about Eli Lilly and company. And just for the record, I, I worked there in new product planning and in sales. Um, and, and and so um, and I I've seen you had uh, uh, Ricks on David Ricks. Yes, he's been on a couple times. Well, look, uh, uh, let, let let me just tell you, this is a big holding for my travel trust. We almost decided to buy some more now. We do fear that the drug stocks can go lower because it's a high price earnings mobile stock. But I think the future for Lilly is unbelievable for its weight loss drug, and I'm not even talking about what it may have for Alzheimer's. So I know you work there, and all I can tell you is hold on to it if you got stock and buy some more when it breaks to the 280s because it may do that because this market's so bad. Let's go to t- and thank you for those kind words because this is one tough job I got right now. Let's go to Tyler in California, Tyler. Hey, Big Booyah from California, Jim. How you doing? I'm looking for you. I don't see you right now, but I'm sure you're here. What's up? (laughs) All right. So looking at the charts for the potential uh, bear market plays, I want to know if you think this is a bottom on ticker KR, Kroger. Kroger reported a great quarter. They're doing a fantastic job. The stock sells at 11 times earnings. I think the bottom is in hand, but the chart's so bad, people keep selling and selling and selling. Let's say 43. Okay, how about that? Now, I think Powell wins the game. I feel very alone right now. Very alone. But I don't care. Because when he does, we will be on the field. And the short-termers will be at the bottom of the standings, if they're on there at all. Oh, man, money tonight. Skyworks Solutions jumped higher. So uh, could the stock be the solution to your portfolio, uh, even though the bears are more? I'm checking with the CEO. Then the semiconductor space has become one of the most watched and hated sectors in this market. So where's Marvell Technology stand? I'm going to talk to the company's top brass. And Salesforce held its investor day after the bell from Dreamforce, highlighting a whole, they had a whole host of metrics that we got to find out more about. So we're going to sit down with the co-CEO, Brent Taylor. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call 
at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Accessed from anywhere, you can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Tonight, we're trying to get to the bottom of the general melees in the semi-space. Consider the case of Skyworks Solutions, which makes radio frequency chips for smartphones, aerospace, autos, the Internet of Things, and a host of other industries. Hey, thanks to years of heavy investment and a smart acquisition, Skyworks has seen its earnings per share soar. Numbers still look very good, building a lot of plants, by the way, in the United States. Yet this stock is down more than 35% for the year. It's trading at just nine times earnings. That's because it's going out of style, you know what I say, in that Wall Street fashion show. For ages, Skyworks was dismissed as nothing more than an Apple supplier. But they diversified a great deal in recent years. Plus, the last quarter was solid. I, I liked it. Earlier today, we got a chance to check in with Liam Griffin. He's the chairman and CEO of Skyworks Solutions to get a better read on the story in the group. So take a look. William, it's hard to imagine a semiconductor company be actually being undervalued on traditional metrics. They're almost always expensive, but that's not the case with your company. That's 100%, Jim. It's a very unique situation here at Skyworks. If you look at our business right now, if you look at the valuation, we're trading at about eight times earnings. That's unprecedented for a company like Skyworks. And the backdrop from 2020 to 2022, we'll, we'll move our revenue from $3.3 billion to roughly $5.5 billion this year. So incredible performance fundamentally, but we've got to get our investors back on track well, with well, us. But what are people missing? Because I hear this and I say, well, wait a second. There's got to be some sort of flaw or they wouldn't be trading where they are. Right. So there's a thesis here about demand being destructed. 
and demand being, being underweight. Uh, we find ways to grow, Jim. We're going to find ways to continue to grow. Our portfolio is expanding. Our broad market business is at 40% right now versus 20% a few years ago. We're with the well, you best. explain it for people, broad market, sure. and not just cell phone. We want people to understand. Exactly. It's really so important. Broad market is our diversified portfolio, X mobile. Right. Mobile is very big, too. Mobile mobile's well, about 60%. Done, and, you know, and there's, you have a large customer there that people know is, is, is crushing it. And that's a, it's a blessing, not a curse to have that. Absolutely. But you've done much since then. I've followed the company from the days when it was spun out. You've done much to make it so that is that one customer is not what this company is. Correct, correct. And, and we have a f- phenomenal position with the largest customer, and we learn together. But the diversification theme is really coming around right now. Automotive business. We're going to do $200, $300 million of automotive business this next 12 months. Uh, data center opportunities. Uh, getting into deep IoT plays. Or connect to IoT, Internet of Things, where connectivity is vital and crucial and really makes the market go. So there's a lot more revenue for us to go capture. But along the way, we want to unlock some of this valuation and really bring that shareholder value back. One of the things you talked about when your conferences that I thought was very good is that I'd always felt, well, they got a lot of devices. But you said, no, we're a technology company, not a device company. Explain to people why that's different. Very important. I'm glad you brought that up. If you think about what we do at Skyworks, okay, we are a company that delivers high-speed, high-performance, low-latency low data. And that can be populated in so many applications. It could be in a smartphone. It could be in an automobile. It could be in a data center. So all of these applications our targets for Skyworks, and we're already delivering these solutions. So there's a lot more to build off with those other markets beyond mobile. Well, if things got lost when you made the part and you bought some of the Silicon Labs, which I thought was great, okay, I, it came out, but it was just what release kind of drops in the ether. Talk about what you've done with that, because that was not an important business for them. It's sure working for you. An outstanding acquisition. And if you look at our business, we're very, very picky when it comes to deals and M&A. That's just the, the culture of, of, of Skyworks and myself. This transaction with the Silicon Labs INA business has been a home run. Great technical talent, great people in a roster of wide-ranging technologies. So what we're doing, Jim, is taking those technologies and bringing them some of our biggest customers to take that scale. Great technology in here now, but if we can take that more broadly... Le- leveraging the Skyworks brand, it's going to be an amazing, amazing opportunity. We're already seeing that today in our numbers. Okay, let, let's speak broadly about, about cell phones. There was such buzz around 5G. I mean, I just saw T-Mobile the other day. Uh, I'm very excited about 5G and what it can do and what it can do actually versus cable. Candidly, right. I'm right. focused on that. Things, it's pretty close to a boom, isn't it? Yet nobody talks about it. Yeah, exactly. I'm glad you brought that up as well because the reality is, Mobility is so essential. Right. And think about 5G as a, as a technology vector. It's a technology connector. It can go to the automobile. It can go to data center. It can go to IoT, uh, even in industrial markets, right? So there's so many end markets where our technology is vital and essential beyond the classic mobile phone. So that's the theme that we're working on and broadening the customer base along the way. But... Uh- you and I are, are football fans, and we talk about we it. And we both know that our devices are, in many ways, better than our TVs at home. And that a lot of that is, is 
intellectual property of yours. Correct. Absolutely. And it, it's really about delivering those bits and bytes very quickly with low latency and no lag time. And it's going to open up a lot of new markets. You know, we look at things like AI and VR and even the meta metaverse. Those are real applications. Well, that tell me, a lot of people feel that the metaverse is just something that's the creation of a couple of people to get something people uh, not thinking about Instagram slowdown, not thinking yeah. about Facebook. But it's real, right? I mean, there it, are it, cut commercial applications. A hundred percent. And we see it even even with with kids. You know, my son's great little athlete, but he likes to play Roblox on the side, which is really funny. But uh, the metaverse can be whatever you want it to be. But those, that's just another another version of where we can take the technology. And it's all about AI and it's right. all about connectivity. I saw Dave Bazooka last night. He was saying, Jim, you think metaverse is not just Facebook. Metaverse right. is for real. And metaverse happens to be if you were younger, you would know what metaverse is. Now, I want to say I'm going to circle back. Dividend increases, consistent share repurchases. Yet somehow, if you were pure industrial, it would matter more right. than it does because you're a growth company. I don't understand that. Yeah. Well, I think the market continues to discount the mobile side. It just does. And, and quite frankly, I, I, you know, it doesn't make much sense to us because if you look, look, at, look at what happens in the world today, connectivity is critical. And go back to what I said before. 5G is a technology. It's not a product. It's a technology vector. It can unwire markets. You mentioned cable. That stuff's going to be gone. A streaming, streaming TV, all of those things are delivered by way of high-speed connectivity. That's the stuff we do. Absolutely. Well, look, okay, I'm glad that we talked about these things. I have not understood, you know, for a long time now, I've not understood the multiple. Sometimes when you get people in person and we're not doing Zoom, I think people, it gets across to people exactly how inexpensive your stock is. That's Liam Griffin. He's the CEO, president, and chairman of Skyworks Solutions. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jim. Great to see you in person. You too. Okay, man, money's back after the break. Coming up, a chip off the old block? It's a marvelous time ahead with a semiconductor stalwart. Next. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Tough day. Got to remember, some areas are worse than others. Wall Street has totally turned against the semiconductor space. That's thanks to a slowdown in consumer electronics. 
Increasingly also enterprise tech spending, but not all chip makers are created equal. Take Marvell Technology, which makes chips for storage, the data center, 5G networks, and even the auto industry. Hey, here's a stock that's been cut in half from its highs last year, despite the fact that its end markets tend to be much more robust. Unfortunately, when Marvell reported last month, their numbers were basically in line. Their data center business missed the estimates, supply constraints. And you know what? What was worse was their guidance. The guidance for the current quarter came in light, even as they were more upbeat about the full year. In response, the stock has been clobbered to the point where it now sells for less than 17 times next year's earnings estimates. This is a growth stock, for heaven's sake. Hasn't been punished enough? Earlier today, we got a chance to check in with Matt Murphy. He's the president and CEO of Marvell Technology. Please take a look. Matt, I never do this. Uh, On uh, August 25th, you had a conference call. And I thought it was great. I looked at the numbers separate. I like to look at the numbers before I hear the conference call to see what I think. I thought they were terrific. And yet you scared me on your call. You had worried me because in almost everything, you predicted that things could get worse. I want to do over. After this August 25th call, did the negativity come through? And are you as still concerned that things may not go well? Gotcha. Actually, we were, it's too bad you you know, heard the call that way. Actually, yeah. we were quite positive in the call. If you think about the outlook that we gave for our third quarter, right, we showed sequential revenue right. growth. Uh, midpoint of the guidance was up 29% year over year. EPS, both in the second quarter right. and the third quarter we guided, growing faster than revenues. And we actually said also that, you know, the growth drivers that Marvell has in cloud, 5G, and automotive, were three of the best opportunities in all of semiconductors. Absolutely, but Matt, twice you said decline sequentially, sequential decline. You told us about supply constraints. You said there was churn. (laughs) Then you corrected and said it was on-prem. And you know my travel trust owns it, and I thought it was a terrific quarter, too. I am addressing concerns that you raised that I didn't feel were anything other than what a good executive uh, raised because I thought the quarter was excellent. Yeah, I think the the way that we have actually um, built this company is we, we, we put all weather tires on this company. Okay. Okay, so the diversification that we have in our end markets, the number of product lines that we have now, you know, all the acquisitions that right. we've done, we're a very diversified company. So even though some of those sub-segments like enterprise, on-prem, data center, you know, you kind of have to drill down, down, mm-hmm. down sequential. But yet, overall, we said the company's actually up sequentially. So enterprise, as, a, as an example, mm-hmm. enterprise networking up very strongly sequentially. This was like double digits plus. Right. And that's why I so, thought that people would react not down 10%, right. which is what the stock did, right. but up 4 or 5%. That's what we thought for our bulletin when we were putting right. it out. It was like, okay, we'll probably be up 5 This thing yeah. is really amazing. It's a juggernaut. There was, yeah. there was some you know, cautionary comments that every executive should make, particularly in light of like what we saw with FedEx last week. Right. But, okay, I wanted to be sure. We're to look you, eye, look you yeah. in the eye and say, I believe things are better. And you're saying Absolutely. Okay. I mean, if you, again, in what, what we changed about a year and a half ago was we changed the way we report our business. Yes, you did. And we used to just have it in these three large buckets that really weren't helpful. Storage, networking, other. Right. Okay. And then people really wanted to know, well, what's going on in data center? What's going on in automotive? You can kind of go through all the end markets. Right. So we shifted that after we acquired Infi. And that provided a lot of transparency to investors, 
But I said to everybody up front, and I've, I've been on this journey before, right. the transition from reporting product segments to market segments, it's great for transparency, but it's, especially in supply-constrained environment, it's really difficult to land the plane right. every quarter by every end market. Well, I thought that you got uh, too, there were too much drill down on you for supply constraint. Right. At one point in one of the many conferences you, woke, you spent, one of the uh, analysts said, how come you're supply constrained and others aren't? Right. I think everybody's supply constrained. Oh, just com- you owned it. Completely. Well, we were ahead of the curve on that one, right. by the way. We called it out. And I think also our performance over this cycle has been very consistent. We've, we've had uh, sequential revenue growth for like two years straight now. Right. Very consistent increases in earnings per share, revenue growth, operating margin expansion. We never had the huge, huge beats and we never had the huge, huge misses. And that's what I meant earlier by all weather tires, really what we're trying to do, Jim, and the kind of business we're in, we're infrastructure focused. Our Not consumer, consumer. Our consumer is ten percent, right? And consumers, what is what dinged everybody and right. did not ding you because it, our exposure is low, right? I want people to understand and that. So the market, not, okay. right? The end markets are really they have a big determination on a company's performance, right? Especially in a cycle like this. Okay, so Qualcomm so, has a big automotive uh, deal tomorrow, and I, I you know, Christian Armani is yeah. very positive on his own business. Yeah, you have. A pristine, fabulous automotive business. Yeah. How's that doing? It's doing phenomenal. Even in our most recent quarter, we said that that business has continued to double on an annual basis. And what's happening in automotive, so where we play, it's kind of interesting. If you look at Qualcomm or NVIDIA or some right. of those, they're doing the brains of the car. Yes. Okay. Think of Marvell as the nervous system. Okay. We're the connectivity inside the car, the network. So... We work with those big computing companies, right, that are doing mm-hmm. self-driving chips and infotainment and things like that. We actually provide all of the connectivity inside the car, which is moving to Ethernet, which is oh, so a that's proven be annuity. networking What standard. percentage of the cars currently are doing that versus what you think will happen? Very small today, and every car company is moving to it as the de facto standard for the in-car network of the future. You have to because you need the speed, you need the reliability, you need the security. And what, on an Ethernet network, you can effectively do what's called multi-drop. So you can have all these different components inside the car on a common network versus today. There's literally hundreds of pounds of cabling oh, that's fabulous. connecting all these different ECUs inside the vehicles. We actually make it possible to strip away the cable cost and make the network much more efficient and quick and reliable. Good good annuity street. And yeah, and it's 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 all in front of us. Right. No, Jim. One this we were out at Amazon Web Services this week. It's booming. Okay. Uh, you have amazing hyperscaler business. But there was some on premises you weren't that happy with. You talk about a sequential decline. And that was August. Okay. We're now in midst of September. I think hyperscaler remains strong, but I want to hear it from you. Yeah, hyperscale, let's take a step back to thirty thousand okay. feet. This is the most exciting, large, long-term secular growth driver for the whole chip industry. Okay, so just right. set that as the backdrop. In, for Marvell, it's our biggest end market. Right? As, we, as you right. know, data center is yes. 40 plus percent of our business with the majority of that being in cloud, not on-prem. That number is gonna only increase over time. And what we have that's unique to us is our own unique product cycles, Jim. Right. So we've won, and we've articulated this to investors, 
that we've won actually meaningful new business in cloud-optimized custom silicon, okay. high-performance networking chips like switches, all the optical interconnect from, from Infi, the acquisition that we did, plus storage, security. I mean, I can go on and on. We've got like 12 product lines that we sell into the cloud and all these new ramps are coming and they're still in front of us. All right. well, starting next year and then a big increase this the year is what after. I wanted to hear. Okay. So that's the long term view. Of, more yeah. of your stock for my Chapel Trust, but I needed to look you in the eye. Yeah. And it is every bit as good as I think. And the down ten percent after reported seems fatuous to me. All right. The long term opportunity for this that's company, Jim, is tremendous because if you think about the end markets that we participate in, forget about share gain, forget about new product cycle. Just look at the end markets. The markets that Marvell is targeting are growing significantly faster than almost any other set of end markets you can focus on. And we don't have the consumer drag, which you know is problematic in an environment uh, like, like today. Excellent. That's Matt Murphy, president and CEO of Marvell, MRVL. And yes, I get confused sometimes. I thought the stock should have been up. It was down big. I think I'm right. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. See you. Yeah, thank you. Back in Coming up, seeking San Francisco solutions. Kramer talks with Salesforce amid a merciless market. Next. We're here all week at Salesforce's annual Dreamforce Conference. This is great, but tonight I want to take a little detour. Alongside this huge conference, every year Salesforce also holds an investor day where they make the pitch for why their stock is a good investment. This year that pitch is more important than ever, given that the stock's now been cut in half from last November's highs. It was too high at that moment, and the whole cloud space is just a house of pain. Regular viewers know I am a longtime fan of this one since 2008. And we've got a giant position for it in our charitable trust. The last 10 months have been brutal enough that we could use some hand-holding just like you. So let's dig deeper with Brett Taylor. He's the co-CEO of Salesforce. Get you access to the same pitch the big shots heard earlier today. Mr. Taylor, welcome back to Mid Money. Good to see you. Good to see you. All right, so you gave them insight today. And one of the most important insights is something I usually don't expect from Salesforce, which is pretty much of a giant buyback. That's not been usually the case. Why now? The theme of our investor day is profitable growth. You know, you talked to Mark earlier, it's so impressive what he and Parker built. Fastest growing enterprise software company of all time in 23 years. We'll do $31 billion in revenue this year. But as we scale, we're committed to profitability and cash flow and shareholder returns. We know it's, I think, two really significant things. As you know, we have a $50 billion revenue target for fiscal year 26. With that, uh, we committed to over 25% operating margin when we reached that milestone. We announced a big $10 billion share repurchase that our board authorized in the last earnings call. And we said we're going to allocate 30 to 40% of our free cash flow to return to our shareholders going forward. And for me, the message is simple. Salesforce is a growth company. I mean, can you feel the energy in this place? But we can do so in a disciplined way. We can do so in a profitable way. And, and I think it's a new day for our shareholders. And I'm really excited. Amy Weaver's an incredible CFO. Yes, and it was great. just a great investor day. All right. So uh, hold my hand for a second. I brought in Salesforce to a company. We immediately had a giant lift. A, a lot of people brought in giant lift. But are there people right now who are saying, you know what, it's a tough time. I don't even want to take the chance that that might not happen and they're pulling back? 
Well, have you walked the floors here a couple times? Yes, I have. Are you feeling any low energy? No, I'm not. This is, you know, it's really interesting. Obviously, the economy is in a complex situation. I actually had the opportunity to interview Larry Summers this morning, who's probably been a better predictor of the economy right. than most. We can't predict the future of the economy, but what I can tell you is the digitization of the economy that accelerated in the pandemic, the digital tools that we're wearing on our wrists, holding in our pockets, they've permanently changed the way we work, the way we engage with customers, and digital technology can drive top line growth and bottom line growth. And you know, if you look at our big announcements here at Dreamforce, it's all about automation, it's all about artificial intelligence, it's about real time data. You know, if you're a CTO here, it's about building cool new customer experiences. If you're a CFO sitting in the audience, you're thinking, I can automate away my costs. And I think technology is the answer to both. And that's why I think there's so much excitement here at Dreamforce. All right, now, some excitement extends to you. You're a co-CEO. Uh, last time I was out here, you did not have this role. Tell me what it's like to work with Mark Benioff. Well, first of all, what other person could put on a tech conference with a waterfall? It's spraying you right no, now. That is, it, it's saying something, frankly. Mark is the most unique leader in all of the business world. And what I can tell you, and you know him well, you know me well, He's my mentor. Uh, you know, I'm Many pretty, people's mentor, that's I'm what's a, so cool. I'm a pretty young CEO, and to be able to do it with someone I consider a friend and a mentor, I think is the greatest privilege of my career. And you know, it's a complex economy right now. Foreign exchange, I've heard you talk a lot about it. Sure, the, the dollar's dollar. strength. It's like touch stronger again today. Supply chain crises, uh, the great resignation, which we went through last year. I have, I think, one of the world's great business executives as my mentor, my partner, and so it's amazing. And uh, I think we're like the odd couple. We're pretty different. I'm probably a little bit more of an engineer. Well, my wife said the same thing yeah. last night. You the exact same phrase. She says it was good for the business that you had that. All right, now, I have to tell you, you're also the chairman of Twitter, and I am going to let you ask me any question you want about Twitter. Okay, I, I follow you on Twitter. <laughs> what do you like to post about more, your garden or the Eagles? If you had to pick. Um, well, I, I, I missed the first home game. The answer is always the Eagles because there's a, a whole, there's two million people who follow me for the Eagles and about a million people who follow me for gardening. But you are stuck being the chairman. I know it's difficult to talk about. Uh, are you able to spend as much time here given the fact that that's a complex role too because of the lawsuit? Uh, I am. You know, I am so grateful to have the opportunity to serve Twitter. I think it's such an important service. I know you love it no, as do. much as I do and serve our shareholders and it's a really important job. And I have plenty of time to spend on Salesforce. And it's interesting, you know, one of the announcements I know you're excited about, I saw your segment this morning, is things like WhatsApp. Yeah, but no, and, talk about this, because yeah. no one believes me. Yeah. I'm not kidding. Do you know what I mentioned this to a half dozen people? I said, I saw the sign, WhatsApp, and they all say the same thing, which is, no, Mark, Mark hates Mark. And, and I say, no, these are business people. And it's nothing to do with that. Well, I had this really interesting trip. I traveled through Latin America. I went to Mexico, I went to Argentina, I went to Brazil. If you travel through Latin America, the, biz, the economy runs on WhatsApp. I thought people doing their mortgage on WhatsApp, and I'm really excited about this partnership. I spent a lot of time with Javier, with Mark Zuckerberg on this, saying, for all the companies here who want to do business globally, what an amazing way to connect with your customers I told, in a okay, conversation. Okay, so walk me through it. I mean, yeah. in other words, what would I be using that I would have been, uh, there that I would have been using here? Because this, they, they tell me WhatsApp, this is big. I, I think this is huge news. So, you know, one of the demonstrations we gave in the keynote was about L'Oreal. Imagine customer service on Cyber Week or Black Friday talking to that business on WhatsApp and having an ongoing conversation. 
you can do commerce, you can do customer service, you can reach customers through marketing. If you go around what we call our customer 360 platform, WhatsApp is a conversational way to engage, and obviously, as the previous CTO of Facebook, I think it's so great to partner uh, with WhatsApp, which is an incredible brand. And also, it's just the way people communicate right now. It's an incredible brand. I think it's an incredible opportunity for our platform. I wish you could take a stake in it and they would bring it public themselves or monetize it that way, because I think that the two of you together is just incredible. It's what I wanted about direct messaging. I have to tell you one time I told Mark when he was going to buy uh, Twitter, I said, direct messaging, this is better. It's a bet. Well, you can't talk about Twitter. I'm talking about Twitter. So the uh, the lesson here is the same amount of business being done. Mark closed a lot of deals typically at Dreamforce. Is it happening again? Well, it's not only an important business event for Salesforce, but you know this. This Salesforce is not a business. Salesforce is an economy. Right. We're going to produce 9.3 million jobs, 1.6 trillion dollars of economic impact by 2026. If you walk the trade show, these are people finding jobs. These are people doing business with each other. And you know, my measure of success at Dreamforce isn't just the business we do, it's the business we generate for this incredible ecosystem. And I have heard amazing feedback so far. Well, look, I want to thank Brett Taylor, he's the co-CEO of Salesforce. And it's great to see you in person. Uh, and go Eagles. Uh, go Niners. <laughs> Man, buddy, back into the break. Coming up, Kramer takes your calls, and the sky is the limit. It's a fast-fire lightning round, next. Tomorrow, kick off the trading day with Squawk on the Street. Live from Post 9 at the NYSE. I'm going to be like Did you. Did I make any sense there? I'm be like did, you. did any of that yes. make any sense? Yes. Okay. Yes. You're giving See, me back to what me. What's it feel like? Doing? What's it feel like when you when, when you know when your mother comes to you and goes, "Yes." It all starts at 9 a.m. Eastern. Are you ready, Ski Dad? It's time for the lightning round, Chris. I'm going to start with Mikey, Connecticut. Mike! Hey, how are you? Mike, 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 what's up? Hey, hey Jimmy, chill. Thanks for taking my call. It's a pleasure to speak with a legend. I appreciate you. Thanks for taking it. Uh, so I'm calling today. Um, I'm calling up the stock ticker for Micron. I said this was the stock of the day when I was being interviewed earlier by David Faber, and I said, I don't know if you can hold 50, and I don't think it can. I think the stock goes to 48, 47 before I would think about buying it. I know that's not great, but I have to give you the truth. How about we go to Rocky in Florida? Rocky! Mr. Kramer, greetings from sunny Florida. Nice. What's up? First time, long time. Should I even start techno picking away at uh, AMT or CCI? Thank no, you. we don't want to buy the tower stocks yet because they don't yield enough, given the fact that the two-year treasury has gotten to four. I say keep your powder dry. Let's go to Wayne in Mississippi. Wayne. Jim, thanks for your help over the years of helping us out. Oh, you're too kind. Thank Great you, buddy. opinion on Moderna. All right, I think Moderna has suffered enough. I think the stock is too low. I actually want to buy the stock. I know it can go lower, but I think it's a really well-run company, and enough is enough. Let's go to William in Alaska. William! 
Yes, sir. Greeting from the land of the midnight sun. My question right. is, thanks for having me on, uh, Texas Instruments. Uh, Texas Instruments is too cheap. I know people hate the semiconductors. It sells at 16 times earnings. I think they'll make the quarter, and I think you can start buying leg in. Don't buy all at once. Carl in Michigan. Carl. Bye, you, Jim. Hi, all. I hope all is going well with you. Well, I'm doing my best trying to hang in there like you are. What's going on? Great. I have two advertising technology stocks on my watch list, Pubmatic and Trade Desk. Pubmatic's too expensive. Trade Desk is right, but here's the problem. Trade Desk sells at a very high price earnings multiple, too high price earnings multiple. It can go lower, and then I would buy it. Richard in California. Richard! Yeah, how you doing, Jim? Richard, I'm having a tough day, frankly, because I don't like people losing money, but I'm doing my best. What's going on? Calling about a stock that I've owned for quite a while. I've got a rather large position in it, and uh, and it's a big automotive stock. Stock, I think, as well, is called On Semiconductor. All right, On Semiconductor is a terrific company. It sells at 13 times earnings. It is up a lot, so therefore it is vulnerable. But I have to tell you, it's doing well. But all semiconductor stocks are vulnerable. That's the work that I've done out here, and I will keep and reiterating that all week next week. Michael in Michigan. Michael. Hey, Jim. I know you don't like that, but I love value. What do you make of the chance of the CCL Carnival being able to service its debt and save off bankruptcy without I having think to sell it, I think it can stave off bankruptcy, but I don't think that makes it a good stock, and that's the problem. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, when the book of the bear is written, spare a chapter for Wall Street greed. Why inflation isn't the only headwind slowing down your money. Next. Everybody blames this bear market on inflation and Powell's efforts to tame it. But when we look back, I think we'll lay a lot of the blame on the greedy feet of Wall Street which created billions of dollars in questionable securities and crushed the unsuspecting public. Bogus special purpose acquisition corporations or SPACs, some with heavy losses for overenthusiastic investors who didn't know any better. Just keep getting obliterated. Today was no different. SPACs were supposed to be blank check companies that make lots of little acquisitions to create a scale player in some industry, but they became a way for privately held companies to come public while skirting even the most minimal disclosure requirements and making up sky-high forecasts that had no credibility whatsoever. If you tried to pull this stuff off with a normal IPO, not that those have been any picnic either, you might end up in prison. If you went to a bank to borrow money like this, you'd be laughed out of the office. Yet Wall Street let it happen because the investment bankers wanted the fees. Meanwhile, the Securities Exchange Commission, the supposed cop on the beat, was asleep at the wheel. Didn't feel these needed to be, well, I don't know, examined toughly? I don't know. Wall Street's a strange place, isn't it? There's no one around who says, you know what? We shouldn't crush people with made-up estimates and impossible-to-meet projections. We shouldn't close our eyes to what we know can't work. Uh, That's because they want the money. They didn't care that the people running these companies were often charlatans who didn't police themselves because the regulators didn't seem to care at all. The law says that as long as whatever stinks is disclosed, even in some boilerplate way, well, everybody's dissolved, everybody's fine. The craziest thing about these facts is that we still have new ones being created right now, almost every day. Suckers bored every minute. I want to scream whenever they ring the opening belt at NASDAQ. Blank check companies, as heinous as the vast majority have been, 
are still sanctioned by the authorities. It's crazy. Why does it work out like this? I think it comes down to greed and shamelessness. In other words, while it's happening, while these legal securities are being created, practically everybody who's in on this cynical process is laughing at you. Yeah, betting that you're a simple-minded stooge who doesn't know any better. Then when it blows up in your face, there's no shame because, hey, they never promised you anything at all. They weren't selling you vacuum cleaners. There's no extended warranty. They were selling you dreams. And as they see it, anyone foolish enough to believe in them was a sucker. They cleaned you out because they could. Because you let them. Nobody in the industry wants to take on these hucksters because there's just too much money in it. And they don't want to miss out on the gravy train. Look, I wish I could be less cynical about this, but there was a time when things were really actually different. When I worked at Goldman Sachs in the 80s, a period where stocks were finally good after years where they sapped your savings, I watched as associates who were short-term greedy get blown out of the place. Preying on your clients with bogus securities was the quickest way to get fired. We didn't want to sully the firm's name or hurt our own reputation. Listen, I'm not claiming I worked at the Bailey Building in Loanford. It's a wonderful life. If you work at an investment bank, you have to be greedy. That's the business model. But back then, our mantra was to be long-term greedy, meaning we helped the client make a lot of money so we could make money, too, side by side. That's a more sustainable business model than ripping off your clients and finding another sucker to take their place. Sadly, the industry's gotten incredibly short-term greedy. They're happy to blow up their clients every day because they know they can just find more. This will keep going until enough investors get burned that there's really no one left to fleece. That's a big reason why the stock market keeps getting hammered. I just hope there's someone left who hasn't been shorn of their savings and is still willing to invest in anything other than the two-year treasury. But at the current pace of SPAC creation and exploitation, it won't be that easy to find them. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise try to find it just for you right here on Made Money. I'm Jim Kramer. See you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.